Philippians chapter 1. We're going to read that in just a moment, and we're going to start in verse 1. But I was reading about a, um, an article about the Philadelphia 76ers, the NBA basketball team, and uh, there was an article um, about them back in uh, around 2012, 2013. They were having some struggles, and they hired a, a GM, a new GM, and his name was Sam Hinkie. And they hired this, this GM, um, and it was, what he was putting out there was an important time of building and rebuilding. What he was doing was he was making changes in the hopes that, that they would create a winning team. And there were terms that this, this uh, GM shared in his vision for the team. And two of the important words were trust and process. Say that with me. Trust and process. Trust and process. And the term came to be coined, trust the process. It was during a rough patch for the team, and it basically means that things may look bad now, but we have a plan in place to make it better. It was a vision used with players, with the 76ers organizations, and with the fans, that there was a process involved of building and rebuilding. And here's what the article went on to say. It says, Hinky was never shy in sharing his desire to eschew short-term wins in favor of long-term victories when speaking to the fan base. On the day he was hired and introduced, he talked about the virtue of patience and also about why he cares most about another important word, that's process. And as we read here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 through 6, let's see what the Lord says. And I want to, this ties into to what we're going to be talking about this morning. Philippians 1, 1 through 6. Paul writes this to the, the church at Philippi. He says, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you, uh, for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Now listen uh, to verse six. I want to. This is the crux of our message this morning. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I'll read that one more time. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Would you pray with me uh, this morning? Let's bow our heads. Father, we're grateful, God, for your holy word, Lord. We're thankful, Father God, for the wonderful work that you're doing in each and every one of our lives, God. We're thankful, Father God, for your long-suffering, for your patience in our life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for continuing to convict us and to help us and to help us to become more Christ-like, Lord. And I pray that this morning, Lord, that you would help us to be patient, Father God, that we would trust the process, knowing, Father, that you have a great and mighty work that you're doing in our lives, God, and that you're performing, Father God. And in faith, in faith, Lord, we will be patient, we will trust in you, and we will continue to do your work, Father God, while we are here, while we are here on this earth. Father, we thank you. We ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen. Thank you, Jesus. So I want to uh, share a message this morning entitled, Trust the Process. 
Now this epistle, this message here that Paul was writing to this church of Philippi, it's noteworthy because when Paul wrote it, he wasn't on a vacation somewhere. He wasn't, um, uh, perhaps some people go on sabbatical, right? They go away and they just kind of get redirected and they spend some time and sometimes they might come up for an idea for a new bur a book or, or they might go on vacation or go to a resort or go somewhere to where they can clear their mind and they can think clearly and they could write to the people that they love. And that's what, that's what Paul was doing here. So he was writing and you know where he was? He was imprisoned. He was in prison when he wrote this message. Now the way he starts off, it doesn't sound like someone that is in prison. It sounds like he has joy, that he has hope in Christ and the work that God is doing. But nevertheless, he was in prison in AD 62. Goes on to say that he endured hard things. We know the life of Paul. He, he endured many hard things, but he wrote the majority of the books there in the New Testament. He was scourged and he was imprisoned. There's a reference scripture in Acts 16. Uh, 23 and 24. So here, here was Paul writing to the church at Philippi. So this morning as, as we spend time and we talk about this thought of trusting the process, I want to look at a couple things in God's word that I believe will help us to trust the process knowing that God is at work in our life. Can you say amen? Sometimes we don't feel it. Many times we don't see it if we're honest. We may feel down in the dumps. We may, you may be here this morning and you're in the valley for, for whatever that means to you. You may be at a low point in your life and you remember the peaks. You remember the high points. You remember the mountaintops when you were there with the Lord where things couldn't have gone better. You remember those times. But there are times that we're in the valley low. But in all these things, church, believer, we have to believe and we have to understand that it is God that is doing the work. God is doing the work. Not your own strength, not my strength, not my ability, not my, my how-to, not the things that I know how to do, but it is God, it is our faithful Father that is doing the work in us. And this is good news because we know where we can get ourselves, right? We know the, 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 the bad decisions that we can make, how things for maybe for such a long time can be going well, and in one bad decision, we could ruin everything. We have that capacity and that capability, but we have to understand that it is God that is working in you. It is the Holy Spirit that is working in your life. Be encouraged this morning. I, want, I pray that, that you walk away this morning encouraged, understanding more of God's word, and understanding that it is Him that is doing the work in your life, the power of his Holy Spirit that has a power to change, the power to renew, to make alive again things that you may see in, in your life perhaps that, that you've just, just swept under the rug and you've counted them even as dead. God is a God of resurrection. Can you say amen? God is a life giver and he can do those things in your life that you've been praying for. God is doing the work. Amen. That's good news. See, many times we could become burdened with discouragement because we forget that we have a loving Father that is doing the work in our lives. He's doing the good work in our lives through the Holy Spirit, not ourselves. Sometimes you look in the mirror and, and you just ask yourself, what were you thinking? What are you doing? We get impatient with ourselves, right? If we're honest, we get discouraged because we're not where we think we should be. We want to be so much further than we feel that we are right now. 
But understand that God is working something great in you. If you're a son and daughter of God, if you're walking in Christ, if you're pursuing him, if you're seeking him, if you're doing your best to live according to his word, understand that his Holy Spirit is working in you. And you're a work in progress. Trust the process. Why? Because it is God that is doing the work. Now as we look there in verse 6, Paul says, I am certain that God, that God, not Matt, it's God doing the work. It's not Matt's own ability. It's not, it's not Matt's own strength. It's God doing the work. I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. What does that tell us? Church, that tells me that until the day that I go on to be with the Lord, I'm not going to be perfect. I'm gonna, uh, God's, God's going to continue to work in my life. Up until that day, till my last breath on this earth, God is going to continue to work on me. So what does that tell me? That I got more work to be done in my life. Man, I'll tell you what, I, I get impatient with myself. I, I look in the mirror and I ask myself those questions. What were you thinking? What are you doing? But I have to understand, I have to know that it is God that is doing the work. It is God that is doing the work in your life. Brother and sister, you're discouraged this morning. Perhaps you're frustrated. You're fed up with whatever's going on in your situation. Understand that God is doing the work. Thank you, Jesus. See, in this whole process, what's so vital is our faith, church, is that we have to hold on to our faith. We have to live in faith each and every day. We have to believe what God's word says. What he revealed to you many years ago is still true today. What he spoke into your life many years ago is still true today, that he still loves you, that he still has a plan and a purpose for your life. Perhaps you're in this place, and man, you've, you've, you've failed miserably for whatever reason and in whatever situation you feel that you failed so miserably that there's no hope for you. I submit to you this morning that God is doing the work in your life and that God is faithful to continue the work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Thank you, Jesus. But it takes faith. It takes faith. We're going to have to hold on to our faith, church. You're going to have to believe in the things that are, are impossible. You're going to have to believe in the things that are unseen. It's going to take faith. Our faith is the reason why we're saved today because we believe the word of God. We believe the revelation of Jesus Christ and we accepted him as our Lord and Savior. But it doesn't stop there. Each and every day you get up, it's going to take faith. Faith for you to, to go to your job and be that employee that God wants you to be. Faith for you to believe in that, uh, that, that miracle of healing that you've been believing God for. Thank you, Jesus. Faith to, to believe that God is going to change those things in your life that you've been constantly praying about. Faith, it's going to take faith. Now Galatians 2.20 says this. Paul again says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Thank you, Jesus. It is no longer I. It is no longer me. It's no longer about me. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ. Those old things in my life, they've been crucified with Christ. Those old hang-ups, those old things that, that you brought to the altar and you gave to Christ, they've been crucified with Christ. So now my faith tells me that it's not me anymore. It's Christ Jesus that's living in me. 
Thank you, Jesus. You have to, we have to embrace this. We have to understand this, church, that it's Christ that lives in you. It's the power of God that lies within your heart. It's because of him, because of his crucifixion and resurrection that now we're now born again. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. We have to tell ourselves this each and every day. Each and every day that we get up, it's no longer me. I'm crucified with Christ. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God. We have to remember that each and every day. Yes, even perhaps when you fail, when you fall flat on your face, you have to remember this. I've been crucified with Christ. God, I give it to you. Lord, I give you this thing. God, I submit it to you in faith. I give it to you, Lord. And, and I'm going to live in your will according to your power, God. See, God was working powerfully in Paul's life. God led him to different places. He had preached to, to thousands, to many. He had preached to those that were esteemed in the eyes of the world. He, he preached to those that were of the lowest. But God led him different places, and he was involved in different seasons, different hardships and trials in his life, but all for God's glory. And what was the purpose of those things? And we could learn something from this church. The purpose, first of all, was so that he could continue to share the good news of Christ. God took him different places. You know, when we get up each and every morning, we have to understand that, that we have to submit the day to the Lord and say, Lord, wherever you're going to take me today, use me to, to share the good news. Use me to, to share the gospel. Perhaps you get a flat tire. Perhaps your, your car may break down or something happens at work or, or you're sent here or you go there or something happens and it's an inconvenience to us, right? We first see it like that. But understand that as you've surrendered your day and your life to Christ, that he is working all for the purpose so that you can share the good news with others. God is even working in the hardships, in the trials, in the struggles, in the inconveniences of our lives. So for the purpose of sharing the good news, but with Paul's life, God was also working in Paul's heart. Now in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Wow. You know, on the surface, you would think that, that, that a Christian, that a follower of Christ wouldn't have any messenger of Satan around him, that all that would be gone, right? That, that, that everything would be, you know, as, as a rosy path, that everything would be going as they had planned. But what was the purpose of this? I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment, torment me and keep me from becoming proud. See, there was something in his life that for whatever reason, God allowed to come into his life. God allowed to be there so that it could keep him from becoming proud. It could keep his dependence on the Lord. And this morning, what are you going through in this place? Perhaps you've been praying about certain things in your life. And I'll tell you, if, if God hasn't taken it away from you yet, there's a purpose for it in your life. Now, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what it is, but I know that there's a purpose for it. There's nothing that happens by accident in God's kingdom. You've been praying about it, and I'll tell you that God has heard your prayers. God's heard them. But God is sovereign, right? We call him Lord. Isn't that right? Lord of Lord and King of Kings. What does Lord mean? Lord means that he's, he's ruler over, uh, over your life, over all areas. Now, if it was up to us, we'd want that trial to be done, you know, yesterday. But if you're still going through it, 
you're still in Christ, you're still following him, there's a purpose for it. I don't know what the purpose is, but I know God is sovereign, and I know God is working something beautiful in your life. So you have to be faithful. You have to trust the process. God is doing the work. God is doing the work in your life. Paul was also in constant struggle. In Philippians 1.30, he says, We are in this struggle together. You have seen my... Uh, my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. So Paul was, was in a life of struggle. So let us not be surprised, church, when we go through struggles and we go through trials. It's part of the equation and the God-given work in our life. So you have to tell myself this constantly, church, that God's doing the work. You know, it starts with me. I'm sharing these things about looking at, your, looking at yourself in the mirror, asking yourself those questions like, man, what were you thinking? What are you doing? Where are you, right? All these questions that we, we start to look inward and we start to just ask these questions. Why am I where I'm at today? Or why is this situation going on? Or why is that situation going on? If we're honest, we ask ourselves those questions. But we're saved. We're in victory. God's doing something great in our life, but, but still we're in those times where we ask those questions. And, and let me ask you this. Do you ever get frustrated with yourself sometimes? You get frustrated, right? Man, God, I should have been over this thing a long time ago. God, I should have, my, my, my faith should, should have been here by now. Why am I still thinking about this or I struggle with this or that? Sometimes we, we get frustrated with ourselves. Sometimes we're, we feel like we're soaring with, with the eagles, but other times in our lives it feels like we're, we're down in the dumps. But God is at work in your life. God's spirit is at work in your life. And God is uh, telling us this morning that he's not done with you. Believer, brother and sister, he's not done with you. That's why you're still here on earth. While there is breath in your lungs, there's a purpose and a plan for your life this morning. God is not done with you. Perhaps it's your first time here. Perhaps you're, tu tu uh, you're tuning in online and you feel uh, perhaps that you're such a failure. Perhaps you, you're, you're tuning in online because you don't even want to step into the house of God because of maybe things that you've done. I'll tell you that God already knows who you are. He knows how you are. He knows your faults, but he still loves you. He still has a plan and a purpose. So make your way into the church physically as soon as you can. Those that are watching, thank you, Jesus. God's not done with us. Look at the life. We always look at the life of Simon Peter, who, Peter who denied the Lord, right? He claimed and boasted that, Lord, although all these disciples will deny you, although they'll forsake you, Lord, I'll never do that to you. Haven't we said that before? That, Lord, we're, we're with you until, 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 the, until the wheels fall off. But Simon Peter, he forsook Jesus. He denied Jesus, not once but three times. When Jesus was arrested... For all intents and purposes, we could say that he was backslidden in heart, right? He went back to doing the things that he, he did when the Lord called him. When, God said, when Jesus said, follow me, what was he doing? He was fishing. He was there just living his life according to his terms and his will. So for all intents and purposes, he backslidden his heart. And he just, he went back to doing what he was doing. Perhaps he thought this, this life with Jesus, this thing about Jesus and the Messiah was just, was just a phase for a few years of his life. So what did he do? He knew all he knew to do was to go back to fishing. But the Lord went and met him and the Lord called him. Peter, who denied the Lord. And God's process was continually at work in his life. And there's a reference scripture in Acts, if you're taking notes, Acts 2.41. So Peter, the one who that, that once denied Christ, who, who forsook his Lord and Savior in Acts 2.41, it says, those who believe what Peter said, see, Peter began preaching again. It said, those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. 
Thank you, Jesus. Isn't God's work of redemption powerful? Peter, who at one time was walking with the Lord, then he forsook him. He denied him not once, but, but three times. And then God used him to preach the gospel once again, and God was using his life to add thousands to the church. There's hope for us, church. There's hope for you. Never feel that you're too far gone. Never feel that, that you failed one too many times. As long as there is breath in your lungs, God is doing the work. What about the woman who was almost stoned in front, of, in front of many because she was caught in the act of adultery? John 8, 11, what did Jesus tell her? Did he condemn her? Did he point out her faults? Did he say, I, I'll have nothing to do with you because you failed, because but you're such a disgrace? No, what did he say? He asked her, woman, where are your accusers? She says, there are none. He said, no, uh, she said, no, Lord. And she said, and Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Jesus said, go and sin no more. He didn't say, you're this and you're that. I saw you do this and that, and, and, and you need to go uh, spend you know, X number of years in repentance and all these things. He said, no, go and sin no more. God had a plan and a purpose. God was not done with her. God was not done with Simon Peter. God was not done with Paul, and God is not done with you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Trust the process. God is at work. Hallelujah. So as we trust the process, What's one of the things that we have to remember is that we have to remain steadfast. We have to remain in him. We have to remain consistent. Do what God has taught you to do. Be faithful to him. Seek him. Pray to him. Be faithful in your word, reading your word. Be faithful to, to what God's called you to do, to your ministry. Be faithful to coming to church. Be faithful to church, to the, to the assembly of, of, of the saints. Be faithful to these things. Remain steadfast. I remember reading about um, a big name. This was some years back, but this, this was, uh, was an author, was a great uh, speaker in, in the Christian world, um, a pastor. And out of the blue, he, he, he just he dropped everything. He went and he said he just needs time alone and he had to just go and, and, and you know, between him and God, he, he felt that this was, this was the calling in his life that he had to just, just cut everything off and just kind of disappear in his own life uh, for him and the Lord, right? And again, God knows and, 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 you know, who are we to judge, right? But I was thinking about this and there was a lot of talk, there was a lot of buzz about the decision that was made here by, by this pastor, and I remember one, one person saying this. He said, sometimes it takes more faith to remain than to go. Now let me explain this, because for, for, for this man, you know, he, he in his, his life, he was being, he felt he was being obedient to God, and maybe it take, took an element of faith, right, to step out and go. But, but what about those that, that, that were left behind in the wake in his life, and maybe in his influence in his ministry? Perhaps they may, be, they may have toyed with the same thought. Well, maybe he goes, I need to go. I need to go just disappear. I need to go do, do in these, uh, seek God and do these things in my life. But, but one, one man was encouraging him to, to remain steadfast, to stay where God's called you and to, to, to be faithful with what he's entrusted you with. And he said, sometimes it takes more faith to remain and to stand than to go. And, and, and I, I speak this to anyone that is, is tempted right now and in, in a place in your life where you're tempted to just, just cut it off and just go because of whatever reason. Between you and the Lord, maybe you're, you're, you're done, you feel like you're done with your faith and, and you've gone through too many things and, and, and you feel you just want to throw in the towel and you just have the temptation to go, just to leave, leave Christ and where he has you. See, with faith... 
following your faith, standing on your faith, your faith will tell you, stand, stand and see that I am the Lord. Stand and see, God's saying, let me show you the work that I'm going to do in your life. You have to stand because there's a temptation to throw in the towel. There's a temptation to flee. There's a temptation. We've all felt it. Every, every one of us in this place have felt that temptation, but it takes faith to stand. Be faithful to, the, to God's work, and he'll be faithful to his work in your life. See, Paul wrestled with this. Even the apostle Paul, right? Remember the scripture in uh, Philipp, uh, Philippians 1.21. It says, for me, living, mean, uh, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. He understood that once I'm free from this body, man, I'm free at home with Jesus, and, and everything's going to be perfect. He says in verse 22, but if I live, I can, do more I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go. See, just as we're talking about, he longs to go, right, and to leave, and to be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. That is why we are still here. The temptation to go, to throw in the towel. Stand, brother and sister. God is doing something amazing in your life. Let your roots continue to grow. Let that life that God is working, that those things that God, that God wants to bring growth in. You know, when, when you're planting, when you're dealing with agriculture, you can't just think that you're going to uproot here and there and there and there and keep doing that and expect things to grow. God wants us to grow, so we have to stay planted in Him. I encourage you this morning, if you feel that you're on your way out, I encourage you, you're called for a purpose. He's your fulfillment. He's working in your life. Remain steadfast. He is your source of life. He is your joy. He is your fulfillment. In him we have our purpose. Stand, 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 brother and sister. So we have to remain steadfast. We have to remain in him. And then we understand the destination. Now, it's obvious that the final destination for us, right, is heaven. And once we get there, we're going to be as, as Christ. We're going to be perfect. All these hang-ups, all these things that we go through, all these things that we struggle with, they're going to be no more. You know, they're, they're, they're going to be gone. They're going to pass away with the, the, the heavens and earth, and, and everything's going to be, no, be made new. So we know that. But while we're here on this earth, what is the destination? Well, we understand when we talk about destination that we know we won't fully receive it until we get to heaven, but we try and we have something to aim for. The first thing is that the Lord will allow our love to overflow. God is working in our lives so that our love will overflow, so that we could be an example to many in this world. God wants his love to affect all parts of our lives. He wants his love to affect our conduct, how we treat other people, our character, who we are. His love wants to continue to work that in our lives. Uh, our exampleship, the example that we are in this world. Our relationships, the love of God is, that's working in our lives each and every day has to have and will have an impact on our relationships if we'll stand and we'll remain in, remain in him. Mark 12, 31, the Bible says, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Love your neighbor. The one next to you, love them. They've offended you, love them. They've hurt you, love them. They may have turned their back on you, love them, forgive them. 
Pray for them. Keep a clean heart. It keeps a clean heart in our lives, church, as we, as we let forgiveness become a practice in our lives. Just as, as, and we don't have to look any further than, than how many times the Lord's forgiven us, right? How many times do I have to forgive that person, man? Gosh, if you knew them like I knew them, how many times do I have to forgive them? The Lord says, well, why are you counting? Remember the scripture where he says, 70 times 7, continue to forgive. Because the day that we don't causes bitterness in our heart. What does the Bible say? That bitterness will spring up and it'll defile us. So God's love, let it work in our relationships. The other destination as we continue to let God work in our life is that we'll, we'll continue to grow in knowledge and understanding. And I don't know about you. I need that in my life. I need that in my job. I need that in my home. I need that with my children. I need that to help me to be the husband that God's called me to be, to be the, the leader of my home. I need God's knowledge and understanding. Philippians 1.9, I pray that your love will overflow more, which we just talked about, and more, that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. I thank God for being part of a church where there are, are, are seasoned men and women of God that have been serving God for many years. And I just sometimes stand back and I'm, I'm amazed at, at hearing whether it's, it's those that, that minister the word up here or those that are faithfully serving throughout the years. It's such a testimony and example to me. And I don't have to look too far to see what I need to do in certain situations because God's giving me beautiful reference, reference points in each and every one of your lives. I see it. I see it. I, I see it. So continue to be faithful. Continue to be a good example. God is using that story of yours. Thank you, Jesus. God's called us as this work is continuing in our lives, that as we trust the process, that we should live a pure and blameless life. 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? Live a pure and blameless life. Let me ask you a question. Comparing yourself where you were last year, are you living more pure and more blameless a year later? I pray that the answer is yes. If not, then we need to grow. There's areas that we need to grow in. You need to, we need to grow in this area. Purity and blameless. And we know that we're not, without Christ, we're not righteous. We can never declare that we're, we're righteous, but we take on Christ's righteousness in our lives. The next one is that we're a beacon of hope to others. As you remain steadfast, you're a beacon of hope. You're a reference point to many in this world. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is, is placed on a stand where it gives light. It gives light to everyone in the house. You give light there at your workplace, there in, in, in your family function, your family events, uh, there when you're at the grocery store, there when you're, you know, when you're by yourself. You give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus. I was just talking to, to, to Pastor Ruben uh, Duran just a, mo a moment ago and talking about uh, there was an outreach yesterday and they went out to the streets and, and, and he was there and he was ministering on the mic. And I was thinking, man, that, that's such, such an example, such a beacon of hope, right? There, there are still neighborhoods out there here in our community that know that there is a church that is still on fire for the Lord. There are still people that love Jesus that will go out and share the good news for Christ. It's powerful. And even, even if they don't step out of their house, they can hear in their hearts and they, they can hear with their ears and they understand that, that the gospel is being preached. And I'll tell you what, as they hear the message, the Holy Spirit is working in their lives. You know what it is? It's a reminder that, man, 
Maybe they're not, they haven't been in church. I need to get back to church. Maybe they're serving God. I need to continue to serve God. Maybe they're not sharing the gospel. I need to, con- I need to share the gospel like that church is sharing the gospels, gospel, right? So it's an example. Each and every day we have to be faithful because we're a beacon of hope to others. Amen. Keep your eyes tuned for the announcement video for the next outreach that comes up. Amen. Let's, let's be a part of that. God will continue to be faithful. So we're a beacon of hope to others. And lastly, we'll be filled with the fruit of our salvation. Philippians 1.11, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. So church, as we trust the process, we understand these things will take place in our life. We'll continue to be a beacon for others. We'll continue to share the good news. We'll strive to live a pure and blameless life. We'll grow in knowledge and understanding that will help us in all areas of our life. And we'll be filled with the fruit of our salvation, the righteous character produced by Christ. As the worship team makes their way up, I want to close this morning. We have to trust the process. We're all in different places in our lives. We all are going through different circumstances. And we talked about it. There are seasons in our life that we go through. But we can be encouraged this morning, believer, because we know that there is a purpose for each and everything that you're going through. We understand that God is the one that's doing the work. He knows you, who you are. He knows your shortcomings. He knows our our imperfection. But he is doing the work. We understand and we learn that we have to remain steadfast in him. Remain constant. Don't throw in the towel. I believe your blessing is just around the corner. I believe that breakthrough is just around the corner. That healing is just around the corner. Remain steadfast. And what's the destination? We understand it's ultimately heaven. But as we trust in the process, God will begin and continue to do these things in our life and knowledge and understanding and purity in our lives, being a beacon and example to many in this world, in our church and outside these four walls. And Christ's character will be realized in our lives. So I want to leave you one scripture as we prepare to close here. James 1.12 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Maybe you're in a place of testing and temptation this morning. God's word tells us that God will bless you as you patiently endure it. That's the hardest thing to do sometimes. Sometimes we want to be reactive and we just, we're done. We feel we're done and I'm out of here. But I want to be blessed. You want to be blessed this morning? And the answer is that God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Continue to patiently endure it. For in that is blessing, church. Thank you, Jesus. Let's bow our heads as we pray this morning.